This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. You may have noticed that the G7 summit this past weekend in Baritz, France, had its share of, uh, let's say, unscripted moments. I don't care politically. I really don't. A lot of people don't understand this. I ran one election and I won. These things happen. And one person who knows firsthand about that is our White House correspondent, John Bennett. He was part of the advance team for the White House Correspondents Association in Baritz and for President Trump's upcoming trip to Poland and what was originally conceived as a planned trip to Denmark afterward. So, John, let's talk about planning for the unplanned, and let's also talk about what exactly uh, you do as part of an advance team for the White House Correspondents Association. You flew out to Europe two weeks before the G7 summit itself, and, and you were part of a planning process for right. the, that the White House was involved in, that mm-hmm. the French government was involved in, and also you were there representing the press. You were there representing the White House Correspondents Association, right. of which you are a member in good standing. Uh, right. So, and so this is a logistics thing. And, it's all logistics. And as you're saying, the, the, a lot of the logistics come down to, like, the, the White House gets very hands-on because they want to make sure that the boss looks good on TV. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, and so much of this was about visuals and how... Uh, certain things were going to look, um, you know, can't talk about about all the venues that we saw. A lot of that was off the record for, uh, you know, for security reasons. And the Secret Service have they've got very good reasons uh, why they don't want us talking about that. But, uh, you know, a lot of it was this room in venue X that a host country thought would be good for 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 an event that would be on camera. Uh, but you could really you know, you could kind of sense that the White House folks sometimes they weren't crazy about that room because it wasn't uh, the lighting wasn't quite right. And then you would see them, pardon the pun, light up in a second or third room because there's a lot of natural light. This is going to be something in the afternoon, maybe a lunch meeting. And, you know, the, the, the pool's going to come in with the cameras and they want the boss to look good. Um, and independent of that trip, some of my uh, television colleagues uh, just chatting at the White House on any given day, when they've done one-on-ones with Trump, usually at the White House or Mar-a-Lago, uh, um, he kind of micromanages his own lighting. So that's a that's a big deal, and that that, that came up again and again on the trip. You know, how's the boss going to look uh, on television? And we know that he also uh, he searches out still photography of himself. You know, he loves Doug Mills, the great New York Times photographer, um, and you know, think what you will of Donald Trump, and everyone does. But uh, Doug Mills' uh, uh, shots are usually just awesome shots. And so Trump loves those. He loves the visuals. Remember, he was uh, executive producer and host of The Apprentice. I thrive on energy. This isn't a game. I'm not playing games. Who will succeed? And it really did feel a lot of the time um, like you were watching a crew get ready to shoot a television show. Um, you know, the kind of the Trump show on the road, if you will. And just to, you know, to be clear, I mean, Baritz is, you know, in the this is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I mean, like, like this, it is. this is trust this, me, it this, is this is a place that you wouldn't think needs a ton of uh, 
of uh, window dressing to make it look nice. This is not uh, as if we're, uh, you know, like going to some third-rate conference center in right. in a dingy industrial city or something like that. I mean, like you know, th- this is this is a resort place. This is a a, a, a destination of the. Uh, of beautiful people, beautiful, rich, famous people around the world. So it didn't need a lot of, uh, you know, like surgery, right? (laughs) No, Biarritz did not need really any dressing up. Uh, But some of the venues on on the other stops that we went uh, to to Warsaw, where where he'll be uh, over Labor Day weekend and and into early next week. And then, um, you know, the things we saw in beautiful Copenhagen, and surrounding areas in Denmark uh, that he's not going to. Because the Danes don't want to sell Greenland to the United States. At least that was the the reason after pulling or or to pull the plug. Um, Without saying too much, uh, just kind of eavesdropping and and maybe a conversation um, or two uh, along the way, kind of wondered if the boss was on board with uh, what would have been the second stop of the second trip, and, and that was Copenhagen. Just n- never got the sense that, that plans were firm. We saw a lot of venues oh, that going into specifics that are, that are off the record. Um, I just wondered to myself if Trump was, was really excited about that trip. And so, uh, you know, when we saw the tweet pulling the plug, I wasn't that surprised. So, the, yeah, the, what you're, and what you're referring to is that there's been a, a – a not insignificant amount of coverage about uh, Trump not being particularly pleased that he had to go to France for the G7, come back to the United States, and then go back to Europe and for this visit to Poland and Denmark. And it sounds like the uh, well, well, it, it sounds like he is legitimately not happy that Greenland's not for sale. Uh, that, but it 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 provided a fairly uh, convenient excuse to say, let's not go, let's not do the second part of the of the leg of the trip. It sure did. Uh, no one is uh, really sure, uh, maybe except Donald Trump, why the Greenland issue suddenly was front burner for him and suddenly for the rest of us. Um, that is a mystery that... Maybe he read Smilla's Sense of Snow. I mean, you know, like parts of that, be. you know, take place in Greenland. It's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I think Richie Cunningham was stationed in Greenland in Happy Days at one point. You know, like, I mean, who knows? Like, the, knows? the Greenland is, is big in pop culture, you know, these days, right? He said <laughs> the best that we've gotten, really, is he said it's, it's strategically interesting. Uh, that could be as, you know, more uh, military bases... You know, maybe he's thinking about the Arctic where, you know, all developed countries want to get their their drills into the Arctic. Um, maybe he, he, he views it as a staging base for that and, and try to get there before Russia does. Uh, who knows? This one, we may actually have to wait for the memoir. OK. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's uh, it's, it's underway. Uh, so so th- we're not going to Denmark. You went to Denmark. Beautiful <laughs> as, as country. You helped to plan a Beautiful potential country. trip. And I think that that is that to me. What I wanted to talk about is that you know the the these moments. I mean, you do a lot of planning. You know, it it takes you know the, the, when the government is planning when two governments are are planning a state visit that involves a lot of preparation, a lot of you know security considerations, mm-hmm. a lot of money for taxpayers to shell out. So, for sure. And so for for something like that to just sort of pull the plug, it's it's a lot of 
there's a lot of waste that goes into that. Not that I'm, I don't I don't hear you complaining that you got that you mm. went to Denmark. <laughs> that you went, uh, quite the yeah. contrary. <laughs> Seemed like a nice uh, nice time in, it, in it Copenhagen. Was, it was a lot of work. It was yeah. uh, that's the one thing I had never done anything like this. And just the amount of work, the amount of information that's coming at you, and it literally is through a fire hose. And even though a lot of it was for my colleagues from ABC uh, who were there uh, representing uh, the the television networks, it's a lot of work for them. Uh, you know, cable, bandwidth, can we get enough power in this room to use it? Uh, can we get enough power out here on to this patio for nine U.S. networks uh, maybe 10. We don't, we're not even sure how many are coming yet. Uh, can we get enough power out here on this patio for everyone to do live shots at the same time? So th- there's a lot of talk of that. We, we spent a lot of time in hotel rooms looking at shots uh, for various things. And, and can we take this security bar off the window while, while John Roberts or, or Hallie Jackson does a stand-up here. We spent a lot of time on, on on that kind of thing. Well, and also, you know, what some people would think of as a, as rather pedestrian stuff that's also very important, like you finding a venue to to make sure that your colleagues can file stories, like in a place that and that right. has a decent Wi-Fi signal too, uh, and and things like that, or or that it's just safe. Uh, right. I mean, like so. So let's let's transition a little bit to the G7 uh, because you you know like a lot of your work there. Was was working not just with the White House but also with the French, you know, who you know had their own considerations, their own traditions, way of doing things, and, and making you know like access available to the press. And right off the bat, I mean, one of the things that you've noticed and, and that you wrote about in your wrap up from for the G7 uh, story, which is on RollCall.com now, is that um, Emmanuel Macron, the, the the president of France, who's had this. Uh, interesting relationship. Uh, there's that word again. Interesting uh, with with the president in terms of his the way that he deals with him. He he was right out of the gate. It seemed like he was stage managing the the ultimate stage manager in Trump. That he he very aggressively like said this is the schedule and and sort of caught the president off guard. Talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit. Well. I, uh, I I can say that the Saturday lunch and and the Saturday greeting uh, at, at at Trump's uh, very posh hotel, looking over the sea, uh, just beautiful, beautiful hotel, beautiful uh, 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 views of the sea and the and the beach and and the coastline there with the high cliffs, an amazing place. Um, you know, it's been reported out already that that was not planned, so I feel comfortable now saying that. Um, I certainly never, never heard that Macron was going to, um, as some of our colleagues have have said on air and written, kind of ambush the president. But remember, Trump came in last week, uh, and and it was really one of the most chaotic and veering, and just downright strange weeks of this presidency. It did seem like a, uh, a quite a week. <laughs> it was it was quite a week, you know, on, on taxes and and background checks and uh, the China trade talks. You know, uh, the president just veering all over the place from from one uh, one policy stance to kind of the opposite policy stance. Sometimes not even twenty four hours apart, uh, and and he was lashing out on Twitter at at all kinds of political foes. It was just one of those vintage Trump weeks, really on steroids. So it it really felt like Macron. Uh, calculated that that he had to to uh, college football starts tomorrow night in earnest. So uh, here we go. Uh, he he blitzed the entire first quarter. He brought pressure, and he really got in Trump's face. And it really seemed to to kind of put Trump back on his heels. 
and 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 he seemed to get Trump's attention. And you know, we heard Trump talking differently about Iran and and maybe even having talks with President Rouhani. Who saw that coming a week ago? Uh, we saw the president uh, shift his tone. You know, President Xi of China with these stalled trade talks and tariff war. Suddenly, he went from an enemy last week to a great leader uh, on Monday. Who as wants he wants to talk, right? Yeah, as yeah. he stood on stage with President Macron at a joint press conference, um, uh, and and you know, we didn't even know if we would see Trump and Macron on the same stage uh, when the summit ended, and yet there they were. Uh, Macron surprised President Trump over the weekend with the Iranian foreign minister. Uh, he and 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 Macron really trying now to to get those two in the same room for one-on-one -on -one negotiations about Iran's nuclear program, their ballistic missiles, their other actions in the region. Trump says all those three things have to be tied together for him to to agree to some kind of new pact, and also delaying the uh, the uranium enrichment longer. And Macron seems to be calling Trump's bluff here and saying, OK, you want a new deal. Let's get you and Rouhani in a room and see if we can do that. So really all weekend, really all three days of this, you saw the French president do something that 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 was jarring to Trump and his team. And you could you could even sense reading pool reports uh, or watching it, uh, watching clips on, on, online or, 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 or on cable news. You, you could almost sense the White House was always trying to react to something Macron did. He kind of beat Trump in his own game over the weekend. What's going on over here? Donald Trump is in a world he is not familiar with. This is not real estate. Sort of the last thing I wanted to sort of pick your brain about a little bit is this. Um, I mean, there's a lot made of the sort of aggressive stance towards the press that the president and his team take. They... They call us fake news. They say right. that we've been described as the enemy of the people. A lot of this is kind of disturbing language, um, and and has led to sort of uncomfortable situations and and press passes being revoked and so forth. But the other aspect of this is that even at the same time that he decries the press, he, I mean, he talked for, he and a combination of him and Macron and him alone spoke for more than an hour. Uh, at, at the end of the G7 summit. I mean, and he and he even sort of boasted about that, like he, you know, he's there. He's 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 there talking to the press. And what you saw, I think, you know, we were, we were sort of uh, huddling a little bit before uh, th this podcast is is that the the pre press access was never going to be an issue at this. I mean, that, that the White House uh, was was actually more accommodating even than, say, the French were about, like, making sure that that you all had a chance to talk to the president and talk to the other leaders. Absolutely. Uh, that was a, a striking takeaway. I mean, there were times, you know, without, again, going into details, um, there were times that the press uh, representatives on the trip, uh, including myself, uh, the guys from ABC, we're working with the White House staff. We're we're backing them up, or you know maybe um, uh, they were you know the White House staff asking us to uh, to help make a point or two to the host countries. And again, that goes back to uh, kind of this relationship that that we collectively as the press have with Donald Trump. Um, and you don't have to go on; it, it crystallizes on a trip like that. But I can confidently say, just from being there a lot at the White House, uh, that access is not an issue. Now we, you know, you can 
the part of this is the the debate about the press secretary or someone doing a daily or daily-ish press briefing in the briefing room. But when it comes to access to the president, he is very accessible, and and that definitely translates to an overseas trip. Um, there, you know, there were times where we were all explaining to a host country that the president is going to summon the U.S. traveling pool. Be, you know, be prepared. Just it might not be on the schedule. He's going to request it. Um, and Sacre it bleu. Right. It goes back. <laughs> it goes back to uh, this feeling again. Sometimes that that in in large part or maybe a medium part. It's definitely not a small part that this is the Trump show and it is calibrated for television. And uh, it, it's definitely that way overseas, but it's also that way uh, that way when he's here at the White House or, or, or doing anything. He, he wants us to have access to him. This presidency would not work, even though he calls us the enemy of the people and says we're fake news and certain outlets are failing uh, in his view. But the way his strategy for the presidency and the way he carries it out to drive narratives and 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 to fight back it simply would not work without the press well john thank you very much for peeling back the the curtain see what i did there with the whole political ah, theater yeah. like uh yeah the well peeling back the curtain uh no but i think this is important to talk about like the story sort of behind some of the stories here and and you were in a very good uh position to do that and i appreciate your uh you're uh, walking us through it. Uh, thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this episode of Political Theater. Please uh, take a moment to rate us. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>